Good stuff. We're in our second week of Only Jesus series. Only Jesus, as this is going to take us all the way to um, Easter Sunday, which we're really excited about. All the aspects that we get to discuss in these few weeks, and it's only the tip of the iceberg. Last week, we talked about only Jesus knows us. Only Jesus knows us uh, in, in our true being, the things that we hide in our hearts, the things that we might be ashamed of or feel condemned by, but also the things that we love, the things that we're passionate about. Jesus knows us like no other. And in doing so, he, as we talked about last week, he went to the well, right, to meet that woman. He had to go meet her and talk to her because only Jesus knew her. And that's actually for next week, and we'll get into more of that in just a minute. But right here, what I want to talk about this morning is going to Jesus in repentance. Because as, as we see here, what is about to happen is a time of forgiveness from Jesus. But let's look at what it takes for this man on the mat, this sleeping mat, this paralyzed man to get to Jesus. First and foremost, they got to go to him. It said that these men came carrying this guy, right? And then it says that they couldn't reach him. Plan A was to bring this guy on a mat. Like, it's not hard enough what they're doing. These four friends got this paralyzed man. They got him on a sleeping mat, and they each have a corner, and they are carrying him step by step to Jesus in faith that Jesus, if they can only get to him, will heal him. And then they get to this house, and they can't reach him. So I guess, well, we tried, right? We carried him. We can't get to him. No. They say, this isn't, this isn't going to seal our fate, right? We're going to go up the side stairs. We're going to get on the roof. We are going to cut a hole in a stranger's roof. And then we are going to slowly lower this dude down to the ground right in front of Jesus. And can we just picture for a moment the insanity of this, right? Can you imagine being this paralyzed guy, just a little, hey, hey, you know, hey. And couldn't get through the crowd, right? So he's just being lowered, and it probably took a minute. And so every, Jesus stops, the record stops in the room, and people are just like, what is this dude doing? Right? It is embarrassing. It is risky. And it is incredibly inconvenient what these guys are doing in order for this paralyzed man to get in front of Jesus. And when it comes to repentance... We want everything to be convenient. We want nobody watching. We want the lights down. We want to be alone. We want everything to be just right when we go to God in repentance. Let me tell y'all something. It is always just right to go to Jesus to ask for forgiveness. It is always just right. There is no perfect time of the day. There is no perfect setting when no one's watching, when everyone's watching. It doesn't matter. It's always perfect because the miracle of Jesus's death and resurrection on the cross is a miracle that we can experience every single moment of every single day. It was always just right. Yet for some reason, we talk ourselves out of it because the moment doesn't feel right. Or because too many people are watching, I want to tell y'all something real quick, and we're, I might hit this again later. Nobody cares. I, I'm not kidding you. 
Nobody cares. And I really, I'm, I'm not joking when I say that because that stops us. Listen, I've been going to church a long time. I've been in a lot of services that call for a time of repentance, a time of asking God to forgive us. I've been to conferences, summer camps, to, uh, you know, just staff retreats, what, mission trips, where there has been a time where, where the people in the room are called to ask for forgiveness, to repent, and not once, not once has anyone left one of those meetings and talked about someone that came up to the front to ask for forgiveness. Not one time. You leave the room going, wow, I can't believe so-and-so did that. It doesn't happen. It does not happen. But we feel like that happens or it's going to happen to us because the enemy, the devil, is in our ears saying, you better not go up there. They're going to talk about you. Listen, there's some of us in this room right now. If I said you need to come up and ask for forgiveness, you would be worried about what your spouse thinks. And so you don't. Or even more so, you might be worried what the person across the aisle is going to think. That person that you've never said a word to and don't even know their name. I'm going to tell you what they're going to think. Nothing. Nothing. They're not going to think anything because their, their world does not revolve around you. All right? It doesn't. This place revolves around Jesus. And so listen, I'm going to just go ahead and burst your bubble. It's not going to be convenient. People might see. Who cares? Who really cares? The only person that cares is you. <clears throat> Verse 20, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, here it is, your sins are forgiven. Paralyzed man on a mat, lowering him to the ground. Jesus' first response, young man, your sins are forgiven. I love that it was, I'm just realizing this now, but a young man, the young leading, come on. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Who does he think he is? How dare he say that? Your sins are forgiven? How dare you? I truly believe that the Pharisees in this room would have had a much lesser reaction if Jesus had just said, you are healed, get up and take your mat and go home. If that's all he said, they would, might have been taken aback a little bit. But how dare you? No. Their reaction is this, because they do understand what Jesus' words mean here. If Jesus is saying your sins are forgiven, then that means Jesus has the authority over sin, which means Jesus has the authority over death, which means that Jesus is God. So they are right when they say only God forgives sins. Thank you so much, Pharisees. You've named my sermon today. Only Jesus forgives. Only Jesus can forgive. And they know that. They know that God is the only one that can forgive. And so when they see this God-man, this Jesus saying that, they're saying, you think you're God. And he's going, you nailed it. I am God. I am God. That's why I didn't shoo you out of this room. I want you to see it firsthand that I am God and only I forgive. Because only I have the authority over sin and over death. I'm going to be nailed to a cross, but guess what? I'm going to be risen again. Because I have the authority to forgive sins. 
nobody or nothing else can. I think it's interesting here, too, that not only, not only does God forgive us, but only God, only Jesus, truly sees the need to forgive us. And just consider this for a second. If you're out and about in public, whether it's like you're walking around the town center or you're at the beach or wherever it might be, and you see someone that's confined to a wheelchair, you see someone with special needs or whatever it might be, how often do we do is our first response, I wonder what the condition of their heart is. I wonder what their heart towards Jesus is. No, we don't think like that. We only see the outside. Jesus looked beyond the man's paralyzed state and looked into his heart and said, this is the first matter. This is what we have to do. Then it's the body. Because listen, y'all, listen. This guy could have had two healthy legs and he could have walked with Jesus or he could have walked right into hell. Our legs can take us either way. It's our heart that determines the path. Someone tweet that. That was, yeah. All right. Thank, thank you, Miss Lois. It's our heart that determines our path. The legs follow. And so Jesus is saying, young man, I see your faith. I'm going to fix your heart so that as when I fix your legs, you will follow me, not the world. So let's take care of that first. And I'm going to do that by forgiving you. Before you even ask, I'm going to forgive you. Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking after they say only, how dare you? He knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? See, hearts. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Well, I'll tell you, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, right? I can look in Lenny and say, hey, Lenny, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's like, well, maybe they are, maybe, I don't know, I can't really tell, right? But if I say, Lenny, stand up and walk, and he doesn't walk, then we can tell. There's a measurableness there, right? So Jesus is saying, which one's easier? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven than stand up and walk. Verse 24, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I want to, I want to read that verse again, y'all. Listen to this. Listen to the importance that Jesus is putting on this entire story. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man, me, Jesus, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. The priority is the forgiveness of sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. So, the, the physical miracle was to, was to prove the supernatural miracle of the forgiveness of sins. That was the purpose of the, of the physical healing. He said, I'm going to prove to you that I can forgive sins. I'm going to prove to you that I have the authority. I'm going to prove to you that I am God by telling this young man to stand up and walk. And when he does, the young man, off you notice, but he's kind of disobedient. He doesn't stand up. He jumps up, right? He's like, woo, let's go. And listen, I believe, and we, we don't know the condition of this young man's heart, but listen, listen, a paralyzed man can sin just as easily as someone that can walk. So that I believe in that moment, it was so much more than leg healing that was going on. I believe his heart was made whole. And there were things that he brought into that room that he needed to be delivered from far beyond a physical healing. And it happened in that moment. 
And so he jumped up, yes, because he could, from healed legs, but also from a healed heart. And the praising God was from that healed heart. And so that's what he did. I want to read this commentary to you. I think it's pretty interesting on this entire situation, this entire story. It says, imagine the tension in this scene. The Pharisees were tense because Jesus challenged them and said he would demonstrate he was the son of God. The paralyzed man was tense because he wondered if Jesus really would heal him. The crowd was tense because they sensed the tension of everyone else. The owner of the house was tense because he wondered how much it would cost to repair his roof. It's funny that that one gets the biggest reaction, right? And the four friends were tense because they were tired by now. The only one not tense was Jesus. Because he had perfect peace when he said, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And those words, at those words, immediately he arose. Jesus' power to heal and authority to forgive sins was immediately vindicated. Imagine if Jesus had failed. His ministry would be shattered. The crowd would slowly make their way out of the house. The scribes would smile and say, he can't heal or forgive. The four men would struggle to pull up the paralyzed man who looked more dejected and embarrassed than ever. The homeowner would look at his roof and think it was all for nothing. But Jesus did not fail and could not fail because all he needed to heal this man was his word. There is wonderful healing power in the word of Jesus and the promises of Jesus for those who come to him in faith. There it is again. Going to him in faith. There is healing power. Healing of our heart and healing of our body. And I do want to take just a second here to pause on what we're talking about this morning and say that next Sunday we are going to have a time of healing for physical needs. Only Jesus heals. And so if that's you, be, be praying this week to receive healing next week. And, what's God, and I want to encourage all of us in this week to fast over next Sunday. And whatever, if you're not familiar with fasting, it's, it's giving up of something and surrendering that time and that energy to, to the Lord. And whether it's breakfast or lunch or both, or if it's social media, um, whatever it might be for you, I want to encourage you this coming week, let's, let's, let's fast and believe for God to do amazing things next week here at church to heal those that need it. Heal those of physical things, but also things of, of mental if, if, issues as well, of, of anxiety. Listen, this is the God that we serve, and he is more than capable. But let's be excited about what Jesus does now as well. We should be as excited at the thought of being physically healed as we are of the gift of repentance. They are both incredible, miraculous works of God. All right, back to what we're reading today. Verse 26, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. All right, I want to read that entire thing again, because... It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It reemphasizes the point that I was making a minute ago. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. So here is this paralyzed man who is lowered through this roof, and he is publicly forgiven of sin first, right? 
He is exposed. Everyone was watching. It wasn't convenient. The first attempt didn't work. They cut a hole through the roof. This is a crazy story. This is something that when you leave the meeting, you talk about. But as they're leaving the meeting, they're not talking about the guy. They're praising God. The subject of the Bible and our walk with the Lord is not us. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Y'all, we have got to get over this fear of thinking that we're going to be exposed when we repent. It is a beautiful, wonderful gift. And I know that the enemy makes us afraid of it because there is no other place that we feel the love of God than when we are on our knees asking him to forgive us of the things that we have been killing ourselves over. And his response to us is, I forgive you and I love you so much. Nothing draws us closer to the Lord than that. So of course the enemy is going to tell us over and over again, don't do it. But what we see here is when this guy, again, I'm sorry if I'm belaboring the point, but is lowered through a roof and is publicly forgiven of his sins, no one's talking about him. They're not. They're talking about Jesus. Listen, I say this with all the love in the world over all of you because I love you so much. Get over yourself. I'm serious. Get over yourself. It is not worth missing out on God's forgiveness of you because you think other people are going to talk about you. It's stupid. It doesn't happen. We praise God in those moments. He is the subject of the story. We are, are the object of his love, but we are not the subject. And so when this happens, everybody, as they are leaving, they praise God. And they say, we have seen amazing things today. What have they seen? They've seen the Son of God, who has the authority over sin and death, forgive. And I believe as they are praising, their praises are not just from what they've seen, but what they, how, excuse me, how they can now live. Because let's, let's just consider this for a second. It, it would be awesome to see a stranger healed. I mean, I, I'd be amazing. Paralyzed guy, jumping up, and running out of the room, praising God. Yeah, for sure. But he was a stranger. I don't believe anybody there, if they knew him, if they were friends with him, they were bad friends, right? Because if they knew him, if they were friends with him, they probably would have said something like, hey, can we clear a path for Johnny? Do we really need to make him be lowered down through the roof? They didn't know this guy. So they just sat where they were at, ignoring him. So I believe as they're praising God, the reason they're praising him is because they have now realized that they are free from religion. They are free from having to do this, that, and the other in order to receive forgiveness of God. Now there is Jesus and you're telling me I can just go to him? You're telling me he has the authority? And if I just go to him in faith, he'll forgive me? Remember, Jesus compared the Jews to beasts of burden, like oxen with, with this yoke on them, heavy, laden. And now in this moment, their burden just got a lot lighter. And they're not these beasts of burden anymore. They're children of God saying, I don't have to walk in religion anymore. 
I can instead have a relationship with Jesus. And that begins with repentance. It's a beautiful thing. It's not something that is meant to expose us. It's not something that's meant to shame us. Because here's a little news alert for all of us in here. We all need it. We all need it. None of us are exempt from this at all. So we have the band come back up. I'm going to read Psalms 32, 1 through 7 to you all this morning. It says, oh, what joy. Everyone say joy. joy. What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, let's see, y'all listen to this. See if you could relate or maybe could relate at one time in your life. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me! Exclamation point. All my guilt is gone. Therefore... Let all the godly, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. What joy for those who live honestly with God, who confess their sins and are forgiven. But did you hear the other side of it? What happens when we don't? Forgive when we, when we just live in that. It says, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water. That doesn't sound like a way that I want to live. Does it sound like a way you want to live? No, yet we choose that way because we don't want to be exposed and it's not convenient. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Only Jesus can forgive your sins. You can try all day long to be the best Christian in the world, to memorize all the Bible verses, to tithe and even give an offering on top of that, to come to church every Sunday, to go to all the other things, whatever it might be. But if you're not on your knees saying, Father, forgive me, you're missing it. Only Jesus. He's the one who died. He's the one who was risen again for you. And he made it convenient. It's there whenever you need it. It's there whenever you need it. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. We hear that verse some, from time to time, but we forget the condition of healing the land is asking forgiveness of sins. That's in there. To humble ourselves, to get out of our own way and understand that we're not the subject of this story and the world does not revolve around us. Humbling ourselves, saying, I can't do it. Only Jesus forgives. You might be familiar with what's been happening at Asbury University and the amazing thing that God's doing there. Um, and I've heard all sorts of comments and 
commentary and it's praise God for God's people. But that revival, outpouring, whatever you want to call it, began with repentance. Just like every other revival that has ever happened on this earth. Go back. Go back to Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit falls, people begin speaking in tongues. And everyone thinks that they're drunk. And Peter says, it's only 9 in the morning, y'all. Come on now. And he begins preaching. He's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He just begins preaching to the people about Jesus. And they say, they ask this question, brothers, what, what do we do in response to this? The first word out of Peter's mouth, repent. Repent. What does John the Baptist preach? Repentance. Jesus preaches repentance. Why? Because he wants to heal your heart. I'm going to say it again. He's not trying to expose you or beat you down. Just like we talked about last week with the woman at the well. He's saying, let's get that thing out of your heart. Let's put it right here. And I'm going to show you that I know you and I love you still. And let's get that out of you. No more walking around with a mask on. No more walking around pretending like everything's okay when you are dying inside, when you are groaning all day. Let's walk honestly with the Lord. Let's lay it all out there. And let's also, while doing that, believe for signs and miracles and wonders to come as we for, ask for forgiveness and repent of our sins, that God would move in this house and in this country like he never has before. But it begins. We can't skip the steps, y'all. We can't skip the steps. Some of us need to be set free this morning. Even so worried, so chained up by fear of what other people are going to think. And I'm telling you, they don't care. We don't care here at Beaches Chapel. Listen, I tucked my shirt in today. I've gotten more comments about a tucked in shirt because like, wow, someone said, you have a special announcement to make? I'm like, no, my shirt's just kind of long. I needed to tuck it in. Like we are a chill, laid back church, all right? No one cares here. It's one of my favorite things that I love about Beaches Chapel. We all know that we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. So what are we doing? What are we doing? Do we believe it? I love y'all so much. I love this church. I want to see us set free and I want to see more. I want to see more. I know that God has more for us here. I know it. He's a God of more. He's a God of more. So are we going to go in faith to him? I want to see us set free. I know this is a very personal thing this morning. I want to keep it personal. But I want to ask you this morning, if you never have, take the step. Be courageous. Don't worry about what anyone else is thinking can't do it in church. It's going to be a lot harder out there. We're going to worship. I'm going to pray over you, and then we're just going to open up the altar for you to come and kneel and say what you need to say to the Lord. It's really none of, it's, it's, I mean, if you need to come to me, absolutely, I'm here. I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. I love you, and I will pray with you, but ultimately, this is about you and the Lord. And I want to see you set free this morning. I'm not trying to bash anybody 
hope I didn't come off like that. I'm just trying to say your fears, they're not valid. They're not real. So why don't we stand up and just pray over us this morning. Father, Father, we love you. And we thank you that you see the true matters of our life and our heart first and foremost. You see it like no one else. You see a paralyzed man being lowered down through a roof and you say, let's talk about your heart first. Thank you for that, Lord. Because God, you know how good we are at masking things, how good we are at pretending. But you don't see, you, you don't believe it. You see through it. You see through the act. And praise God for it. Because that's not how we're supposed to live. God, if there's any that have been lacking joy in their life, I pray for joy to be restored today as we are honest with you. As we lay down those things that we just need to say, I'm sorry for. God, if there's anyone in here this morning, anyone watching online that has not received you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that right now, Lord, they would take that step of faith. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say in your seat where you're at, all you have to do is say, Father, forgive me. I believe. It's, it's truly that simple. I believe that you are the Son of God. Come into my heart and forgive me. In your own words, in whatever order you want to say it, God knows your heart. He knows what you're asking him. If that's you, right now. Father, for those of us that have been carrying the weight of religion, the weight of living with a mask on, I pray, Jesus, that this would be their moment to be set free. God, that fear would take the back seat and that we would take that step to come by faith might be hard and do it anyway thank you Lord that your word says you are you're quick you're faithful to forgive us our sins when we confess you don't hold it over our heads you don't make us feel guilty you don't make us like do all these other things to make up for it you just in that moment you say just like you did to the man on the mat your sins are forgiven get up walk. Let's go. Let's move on. That is not who you are anymore. I got more for you. I got more for you. I got more for you. Thank you for that, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Amen. So we're going to open up the altar this morning as we worship. If you need to just come kneel and get with the Lord, I just pray and encourage you to do that this morning. Thank you, Jesus.